Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. Hi guys. Today's scripture is from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, good morning, 180. It's good to be with you again. I should say thanks for having me back uh, virtually. Uh, Calvin Brown, and I'll be uh, continuing in our uh, journey through 5Q. And uh, I'm actually speaking today, and you may recall the last message, actually from a place I didn't describe last time. It's the cafe at what's called the Edge of Sports and Arts Academy. And the reason I bring that up is because um, it does relate to our uh, message today. Seven, eight years ago, I believe God had given me collectively, uh, our leadership team at Destiny Church, a a vision for this 54,000 square foot uh, space that had not been really cared for well, but it was a center of the community, uh, turf and basketball courts and volleyball courts. and, And this was just a yucky space, which has now been converted to a a really great cafe and meeting space where some significant conversations have taken place over the years. Well, what started as just a vision um, had to come to fruition ultimately by just the the power and might of God. But on our part, uh, not just a dream and vision, but a plan. And um, so I remember a number of years ago, 
a peer, a mentor, a friend. He was actually doing some coaching with me. And he, after spending some time with me, he understood that I was certainly a person of vision, um, but it was a challenge for me at times really gaining traction on the vision. And he gave me a book that really just really changed uh, my life. And it challenged me to not only dream, which was, this came naturally to me, supernaturally even, um, but to learn how to really move things forward and to get things done. So that's uh, our question today. And following question number one of who am I about identity and self-awareness and question number two, what is my story? Redemption and reconciliation. And then question number three, uh, what is my dream and a vision and personal, um, personal vision and calling. You know, we come to question number four. Well, what is my plan? How am I going to get it done? How am I going to go about it? And it's about equipping and collaboration. So I want to pray. And then I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to uh, Nehemiah the book of Nehemiah, and uh, because God's word has something to say about this, uh, this question and a series of questions. You know me, I love questions. A series of questions that we're going to, um, that we're gonna ask. So uh, let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you. Um, thank you for your just incredible wisdom and, and um, might your love and compassion that you, that you give us a dream and there's a place where we fit into the greater story of what you're doing. And then you help us to be equipped and you bring us into community with others, Lord, to accomplish what you're doing. Will you guide me in this time today? And my brothers and sisters, as they are leaning into this and even those in the crowd who don't yet know you, but they're seeking you. May you be found today by them, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, we're, uh, we're going to be uh, in the book of, of Nehemiah. It's, it's a survey of sorts, but I won't be covering, obviously, the entire book of Nehemiah. Um, but um, just answering this question, how do I go about doing it? You know, what is my plan? God has established you and you've got a clear sense of who you are, who you are in Christ, how you're gifted and wired. You have, you have worked through your story and reconciled and redeemed to the best you can at this stage in your life. And, and you've, you've caught a picture of something, a, a dream, call it, an idea, a vision, however you want to call it. Is something that's on your heart to do. And now it's time to go about doing it, getting it done, being intentional about it. Nehemiah, I think, presents a, a, a good model for us to look at at least how one person went about getting something done that was heavy on his heart. Nehemiah is like any number of us in the sense that 
he was in a really good place. Now his people, the, the Jews were not. And, and, and if you read through the first chapter of Nehemiah, you see that they were, they were not doing well. They had been conquered years before and they were just, just still in just, just bad shape. The walls had been torn down and burned and uh, the people were without defense. They were without hope. Uh, they were without any real structure. It was, they were in a bad shape, in bad shape. And, but Nehemiah was in really a privileged position. He was the cupbearer to the king, a, a trusted confidant and one who um, was a protector essentially of the king. So he was in a privileged place, living, working in the palace. He could have said, hey, life is good for me. I've made it out um, and gone on with life. But, but his brothers returned from Jerusalem and he's asking about his people there and they give him a bad report. Nehemiah is broken. He prays, he fasts, and then, and then he has opportunity to actually do something about the plight of his people. So how do I go about doing it? And this is where we're going to kind of walk through a few steps that I hope you will find helpful. Here's the first step, clarify. Clarify, clarify the call, the vision, the idea, the dream, clarify it. And I want to read to you Nehemiah chapter two. Um, verses, uh, let's see, one through five. And we're going to put special emphasis on verse five. Nehemiah 2, beginning with verse one. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I, again, cupbearer, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. Now listen, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. There it is. Nehemiah was able to clarify the dream, the vision, the idea, it was to go to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Here's the first question. Can you clearly articulate the call in a sentence or two? That which, you know, we looked in Nehemiah last time and there was this, there was this, this, this call on Nehemiah, I'm sorry, of Isaiah, I apologize, Isaiah. There was this call and 
and we kind of walk through that process of what might it look like for us? What might God be calling us to? My hope and dream, my prayer is that you've caught that, at least some sense of it. Can you articulate it? Can you put it in a sentence or two? Can you make it clear enough so that when you talk to others, there's a, there's a, there's a, a fairly clear sense of what's on your heart to do? Nehemiah was able to do that. Go to the city of Judah, where my ancestors are buried, and rebuild it. Here's step two. Organize. Actually develop a plan. Now, look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, Well, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. No. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah, safe passage so that no one will bother him. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. Nehemiah, you'll see in chapter one, spent time praying and fasting and pleading with God in prayer and, 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 and I guess a prayer and fasting and, okay, God, what is it? What is it you want me to do? What does it look like? And when given the opportunity to articulate the vision, he was able to very clearly and succinctly right to the point to the king so much so the king now is able to ask okay that's what you want to do that's the dream that's the vision that's the passion that's the idea how long will it take nehemiah had a sense of how long it would take what kind of resources he would need material resources privilege passage letters he um, he had thought things through and that was the challenge for my I'll call him my coach, a friend, peer mentor, Dan. What is your plan? How are you going to go about it? And it set in motion for me days, weeks, months of thinking, writing, planning, praying to produce not only a business plan for this business as ministry, but a ministry plan and, and some vision pieces and so that so that people could clearly understand what was on our hearts to do and how we were gonna go about it. Can you hand someone a document detailing the plan? I met with a, a brother from a parachurch ministry um, and um, they have to raise their support for uh, all the ministry that they do. And he said something to me, he said, he said, Calvin, what I've learned is, and he was a wealth manager at one time, literally helping um, not only multimillionaires, multi-billionaires manage their money. He said, 
the higher someone is on the socioeconomic scale, the less information they need. So this doesn't necessarily mean you need, like we wrote a 100 plus page business plan or a 30 plus page ministry plan. Each one of those documents, I've worked it down to one page. This was years ago before I had heard this counsel, but now it resonates with me. Simplicity. Can you break it down to its simplest, clearest form so that people can understand and you've got a sense of where you want to go and how you're going to go about it? Here's number three. Engage others. So there's clarifying it, there's organizing, and there's engaging others around the idea. Now, in Nehemiah chapters 2 and 3, you see this. I'm just going to read some of chapter 2. Beginning with verse 11, I, Nehemiah, went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. So he's moving around by foot, they were. By night, I went out through the valley gate, toward the jackal gate and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up, I went up through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because I as yet had not said anything or not said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. <laughs> so they began this good work. Before I forget this point, I wanted to, to, to note that this is not just a political, uh, a, um, I'm sorry, a, um, a physical rebuilding. You see also the social, you're going to see the religious and the political, like all the systems and structures had just been torn down. These people, as he says, they were in disgrace. And Nehemiah takes the time to move about, not only with the leaders and the people and get to see and touch and hear, probably hearing stories, but to walk the land, to walk the city and to see just how badly things were. And then he unveils the call, the dream, the passion there. He un he unfolds the plan. He identifies with the people and says, this is, this is a situation that we are in. And this, let me tell you what God has been doing. Let me tell you the dream, the vision, the plan, and let's do this. And he says, the people began the good work. Engaging others around the idea. And here's the question. Who do you need to invite to participate. Who do you need to invite to participate in this? I sense whatever God is calling you to do, 
it's in concert with another or others. And I think about some of the most significant spiritual endeavors I've been involved in, planting of churches, the launching of this enterprise, excuse me, it has been in concert, has been in participation with others. Even my doctoral work was on the practice of shared leadership in the local church. I just believe that what, what we see in, 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 the, in the word of God, it's the body working together. It's the family of God working together. It's, it's multiple people, even in the work, I believe, of leading. But that's why I think it's important that that it's clear what's on your heart so you can communicate it to others. You've, you give them something to rally around and why a plan must be unfolded in some way. Because see, you have some people who are more dreamers and they can catch vision like that. Others who are more planners, operational, executive type sort of folks who they need to see information. They need to see process. But also you need both in community together. People who can see and vision and passion and put them in front of anybody at any time and they're ready to talk about it. You need others who, who can think more critically and ask the right questions and help come to the right answers and organize things to move them forward. There's a book I recommend, Making Ideas Happen by Scott Belsky, B-E-L-S-K-Y. It's the book that my coach, friend, peer mentor, Dan gave to me, and it just helped me see things in a new way. It had me come back to who am I and to understand how I'm wired. I am wired for dreaming and vision and in and, and that sort of space but it doesn't let me off the hook to learn to lead and move ideas forward, but not necessarily alone in concert and participation with others, which leads me to step four in our final step, lead, lead. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean you, you have to take on this high level role or this big role or become CEO or whatever it may be, but the leading is, it, it's, and really it's seeing it through. Seeing this through, sticking with it. Now, I won't be able to read any of these passages in context, but Nehemiah chapter two, verse two and verse 10, Read chapter four of Nehemiah and chapter six in the first part of chapter seven. I'm gonna read you just a few passages here. We're talking about endurance, passion, courage, because there will be opposition. You're gonna to have to potentially do things that you haven't done before, that you don't feel comfortable with, that will move you outside of your, your comfort zone. Look at um, chapter two, verse one. This is repeating something that we've already looked at. But again, when Nehemiah went to the king, it says, I had not been sad in the present, in his presence before, because you could lose your head, literally, being sad in the presence of the king. You're supposed to be happy around the king. And it says, so he says, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, Nehemiah realized 
this was the moment, this was the time that may be out of character, may, I may even seem like I'm out of place to do this, but listen, this is what God has put on my heart. This is the dream. This is the plan. This is the moment. He took, he, he, he exercised courage and he said what he needed to say. This is, check this out in chapter two, verse 10, when Samballot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, heard about what? All that the king was doing to, to resource Nehemiah, it says that they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. That is such an amazing verse. And it brings us to, to remember that, listen, because you want to do good, because God has given you something good to do, does not mean that the path is going to be clear, that everyone is gonna be um, in favor of it. You may be called to go into marginalized communities and help lift people up, to serve those who are the least among these. And I guarantee you, there will be people who will be upset that you are going to do that. So you're gonna get opposition, expect that. But in verse chapter four, verse nine, there are these threats. Sembalit and Tobiah and others, they don't quit. They keep going after, they keep doing everything they can to discourage the work and they're, they're hurling threats. And it says, but in verse nine, chapter four, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard uh, day and night to meet this threat. They kept doing the work, they prayed to God, but they posted guards. What will it take to see it through? Chapter four, verse 12 you start getting all these messages coming to the people. Oh, we're gonna attack you, we're gonna attack you. You keep working, we're gonna attack you. Well, eventually, the people start repeating the same thing. Listen to this. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever, the, wherever you turn, they will attack us. They start repeating, internalizing the threats that were coming from outside. So there may be you, you, some of your some of the greatest threats to the dream, to the idea, to the vision may come from inside of you. It may come from inside the, the team or the group that you're working with. It's gonna take courage. It's gonna take um, endurance. It's gonna take accountability. Will you commit to seeing it through? Chapter six, verse five. Then the fifth time Sembalat sent his aid to me with the same message. And he and I, Nehemiah have identified this as a threat as an ambush that he, that this guy was setting him up but five times he kept sending it and then and then finally chapter 6 verse 11 but I said Nehemiah said should a man like me run away Nehemiah said I'm not running away I'm not going to hide I'm not trying to run to a safe place this is what God called me to and I'm going to see it through I want to close with a couple principles to consider. One, remain prayerful throughout the journey. Number two, expect opposition sometimes from unlikely people and sometimes in your own heart. Be flexible, be patient, and endure. I suspect what God is calling you to is involved 
it's in somewhere in his pro involved in his process of sowing, watering, being light, being salt. Because ultimately, we know that God's desire to see is to see every man, woman, and child have repeated opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. To come to understand that they are that that God loves them and has an incredible plan for their lives. That because of their sin, individual sin and the sin of humanity, we are broken and separated from God. But Jesus Christ came, took upon himself our sin, died on the cross for us, was buried, raised from the dead, ascended on high, lives to intercede for us, and one day will return. And then that final question, what are you gonna do with that? And that's to the person who doesn't know Christ. What are you going to do with that truth? Are you going to come to follow him and serve him and love him and be loved by him? For us who do know him, what are we going to do with that? Are we going to sit on that message or are our hearts going to burn to see others come to know that message and receive that message? And it may not be just going out and standing on a street corner and preaching it. It may through the, this act of service, this dream, this this vision, whatever God has given you. And I tell you what, I would love to engage any of you on what God is stirring in your heart. And perhaps God will make that possible because God has given us the ministry of reconciliation as if he was making his appeal through us that people might come to know him. I love you guys. I look forward to meeting you someday in person. We got one more question left. And I'll see you next time. Father, thank you. We love you. We thank you for loving us, giving us your son, and giving us your spirit and your word and a community of people to walk with. And Lord, giving us a place in your greater story, a dream, a passion, an idea that you are fueling. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You are my strength when I am weak.
bow your heads for the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, amen. All right, guys. Love you. See you later. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Stu Still. I'm a member here at 180 Church, and we want to thank you all for joining us for today's Sunday service. Before we finish up today, we have some community news that we just want to share with everyone, starting with tithes and offering. For all of our members, we just want to remind and encourage you to continue to keep God at the center of your finances by tithing faithfully. You can make your offering through Venmo at Church 180. You can make an offering through Chase Quick Pay at offering at 180church.tv. Or if you'd like to make your offering through PayPal, you can follow the link on our website at 180church.tv. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline, which you can find at 5397prayer or at prayer at 180church.tv. And this is a great resource for those moments when we feel like we need some support and some prayer, not only for ourselves, but for our family members, our co-workers, and all of our loved ones. Our prayer team is there, ready, willing, and able to lift up your prayers. So just send them along. Again, it's 5397prayer or prayer at 180church.tv. And when you feel like God has moved in those areas, make sure you send them a praise request as well so that we can all celebrate what God is doing in your life. Our next announcement is about small group, which is smaller pockets of our community where we come together to discuss the Sunday sermon, to really see and encourage each other where God is leading us, and to really just do life together with one another. Because even though we're still social distancing, community is still a vital part of our lives. And this is a great place where you can find that. All of our groups are meeting virtually right now, so no matter what group and what stage of life you're in, or where you are located, we have a group that would be perfect for you. If you're interested in joining a group, you can email Pastor Billy at billykim.180 at gmail.com. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. Next, we have the virtual 180 Cafe on Discord, which is a great way for all of us here to keep in touch with one another. There you can share what's going on in your life and join a conversation about gardening and gaming, about sports and entertainment, basically anything that you can think of. It's a great way for all of us to stay in touch with one another, both on your computer and on your mobile device. And lastly, if you've been blessed by our Sunday worship led by Pastor Lydia, you can visit the 180 Church Studios on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here you'll find a playlist of all the worship songs we've featured every Sunday, and it's perfect for when you want to immerse yourself in worship during the week. That's all of our community news. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us this Sunday, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye.